Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, the Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan, and joined by Brent. Hi. And Ski. Hello again. And today we are going to be discussing Season 5, Episode 5, uh, Love Under the Big Top. Mm-hmm. We are continuing with our normal format this time. Actually, for the first time since the, I think, the first episode of this season, Ski's going to be doing the recap. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we even have a normal format anymore. Um, it's definitely evolved. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. People stepping up, doing things. <laughs> hey now, that's why I'm, I'm not implying that. You guys have always like stepped up and done things. Yeah, uh, you and, and Alan's literally edited every episode. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that means he has to listen to us talk mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's not as great the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> But it's still pretty good. Uh, there are there have definitely been occasions when I've been editing and I've actually laughed, um, which I think that says a lot because it's a conversation I was already yeah. part of. <laughs> so. Like, where do I come up with this? <laughs> yeah, it's not my own stuff. I'll say that much. I have not. Well, that's where we differ, sir. <laughs> I have not busted my own gut. <laughs> I'm hilarious. So, so that would be that's a nice thing, or not nice, but. At least that should make you feel better. I'm not the greatest laugher uh, for other people. I've tried to work on it, but at least I'm not giving them to myself. <laughs> so, like, you're a generous laugher to everyone, including yourself. Yes. Ski's a generous laugher to everyone else, but not so much to himself. Uh-huh. And I'm a bit of a stingy laugher to everyone, especially myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your own harshest critic. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so Ski will be doing a recap today as we yeah. continue on our journey to find the uh, greatest episode of uh, of the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. And you don't think we found it with uh, the no. accurate conception? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that one quite put it over the top. How about adult education? That Maybe, perhaps. Nice. But uh, um, That would be the most referenced. I do think it's funny that I think Brent's last, uh, well, not his last two episodes, but Brent has done uh, the impotence of Ernest mm-hmm. and, and the... Uh, the conception episode as well. Mm-hmm. I know my wheelhouse. <laughs> hey, you have uh, you haven't planted babies four times. So. I have a niche. <laughs> um, so, anyways, but uh, I don't have any new updates today. Listen, I think I mentioned this in previous episodes, uh, but if you would like a sticker with mm-hmm. our logo on it, I'm definitely still reach out. We'll be lots uh, of them left. Yeah, we would look, to go. Something something along those lines. Um, less than that, because I've sent a couple out to each of our, you know. For yeah, uh, yeah. regular listeners that, uh, yeah. that that send in requests for them, um, respond to the next week and you get a gross of toothbrushes and a can of sardines. <laughs> Don't forget the oatmeal cookies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, before they run out, folks. Right. <laughs> we'll send you a crumbled oatmeal cookie in the mail. <laughs> exactly. Um, mm-hmm. No, you won't get any of that shit, but you will get a sticker <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you'd like one. Uh, we'll be happy to send it to you free of charge, just mm-hmm. as an appreciation for listening. So. so is that self-addressed stamped envelope? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to self-stamp it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll fix the stamp on your behalf. You know, yes. I, I will say this. If they send a self-addressed uh, stamp and envelope, or I would have to, I would have to think it would be a lot. Uh, let me know, and I will send the sardines. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, well, if you would like a, a free can of sardines, you have to send a... I'll slap a sticker on there, too. <laughs> Ski's address is uh, <laughs> Heritage HOA. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get on Ski's bad side. You'll have to sell your house and move out of town. Exactly. You've got an email list 100 strong that not even Rafael Sanchez can crack. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but uh, I, like I said, I don't have anything new to update today. Um, so whenever you're ready to kick off the recap, Ski, we're ready. Oh, did you have something, Brent? I've done some living since our last episode. Oh, what what, what has happened? Uh, I had a dinosaur egg melon. Oh. It was good. Now, do you know what that melon is actually called, Ski? It's literally called dino melon. Oh, is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a joke because uh, you got it because you, the Klimazuskis, uh, they, they like dinosaurs. Um, oh, gotcha. I mean, I don't know. They don't like have a love <laughs> of dinosaurs in general, but they have a running thing through their family of liking cute dinosaur things. Uh, so like Ski's uh, grandson has a lot of dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, it really exploded when Cannon was born. Yeah. Or before even. Yeah. Well, it was something that you guys had going in the past. It was. But it just really took off when you had a baby mm-hmm. to purchase things for again. Yeah. So have, I like, go ahead. Have you seen The Good Dinosaur? I have not. Oh, it's like Land Before Time torture porn. <laughs> I don't it, know how to interpret that. <laughs> is is that a good thing? No, it was it was a rough movie. Oh, 
I mean, so you're it, saying don't watch it? Yeah, that poor good dinosaur. It got beat to hell. Yeah, it was rough, like very, very graphic, and it just felt bad. I felt Is it dirty a Pixar watching movie? it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I quite have the same strong feelings that Brent does, but it's definitely like maybe just a half notch above Cars two on the Pixar you know wow. level of movies. Um, <laughs> which Pixar, you know. For the most part, puts out really good stuff. Although I, I didn't care for that, I didn't care for Cars Two, and I didn't care for um, Cars One or Planes. Or <laughs> well, Planes wasn't a Pixar movie though. I think it was just a based, Disney Tunes or whatever. Yeah, um, and I did like Cars One. I enjoyed it. Okay, but I did not like. Uh, you know what I learned from Cars One? What's that? Life is a highway, <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna ride it all night long. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you're going my way, Brent. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, what was that one, Luca? I didn't care for Luca. See, I liked Luca. I really did. I know. I just felt like it was kind of it was okay, mm-hmm. but like I, I loved Encanto. In, in yeah, um, some solid. But yeah, Luca, I, I could have done without. It was fine. But. Yeah, uh, Soul is another one that I enjoyed that I'd like to go back and revisit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Inside Out's a Pixar one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think Inside Out. That is probably the Disney movie that brings up the most emotions inside of me. <laughs> like, either that or Up. Literally? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Up, that'll bring me to tears. Yeah. It and that first Wreck-It Ralph movie. Mm-hmm. I cry like a baby, especially during Wreck-It Ralph. I don't know if I get as much emotion with Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, I, I, I mean, do. I enjoy I it, but... Ball, like, when Ralph has his big epiphany at the end where he's like, you know, if this little girl loves me, I can't be all bad. Mm. You know, it gets me every single time. Is that how you felt when, when you and your wife got together? Exactly. <laughs> not, that, not that she's a little girl. She's not one of Ski's pretty young things. <laughs> yeah. She, she's a, a pretty age-appropriate thing. Exactly, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's pushing 40, so you know, clock's a ticket. Younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were halfway to 50. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am. I am. I'm definitely, you know, yeah. So. Well, when you're 25, you're halfway to 50. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've been halfway to 50 for 20 years, sir. I guess I should say he's halfway between 40 and 50. That's right. That is true, though. You're, you're 90% of the way to 50. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, so thank you for correcting my math, Ski. I appreciate that. Exactly. <laughs> He'll make him bust out his P equals MV. <laughs> I'll have to pay you two bucks. <laughs> Anyways, well, Ski, I, without uh, anything else to go over, you can kick off your recap when you're ready. Unless you had something else, Brent. Nope, just wake me when it's done. Okay. All right, we'll do. <laughs> now, we jokingly, before this one started, we talked about trying to just, like, zoom in through the episode. Right. I suspect that probably won't be the case, but one day... <laughs> <laughs> if history has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that we will not be zooming through anything. As I glance over at your one-point font. <laughs> hey, this is 9.5. Three pages of it. How much, how much we got on that second page? Like, if we flip that over. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's a, it's a full second page. It <laughs> truly is. Sometimes we get lucky and it's only like four-fifths of a second page, but he's even got stuff down in the footnotes, I think. <laughs> I do. I have page one of one, or one of two, two of two. Quarter ah. inch margins. <laughs> Six points. <laughs> My God. Shall I proceed? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Can I take a picture of that? You may. Yeah, I'll post that on the Insta if we run out of <laughs> pictures. To... Uh, I'm trying not. You, you want your face in there? I don't care. We've yet to debut ourselves. So. I, I've been on, on Facebook. Like you put a picture of yourself? Yeah, on Facebook and, and uh, Twitter of me getting my vaccine. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It was like your freckled arm. Yep. But my face was in it, too. So real quick, just uh, we did do some living between the last episode. My wife and um, youngest hung out with the Bidwells earlier while we recorded the first two episodes that we Fun were recording crew tonight. Indeed. Exactly. Um, so anyways, and then, you know, we got we'd passed the bedtime and everything, so they were heading home. And apparently... Uh, your son made a point to show every bathroom in your house to Cassidy, uh. <laughs> and that is all she could talk about on the way home, was just how many shitters you guys have. <laughs> yeah, we do have five. I mean, yeah. It's an impressive number, and every bathroom has, a, well, four of the five have a shower to go with them as well, uh-huh. at least a shower. But yeah. it's funny, because like, you know, our house, it's a good-sized house, uh-huh. but when you say, I have five bathrooms, it sounds like a damn mansion or something, <laughs> and it's, it's not that. <laughs> but... Um, 
but yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. It definitely implies your management, and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, in I all fairness, free. the house came before the podcast, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and the car accident came before the house. Yeah. So, but one begets the other. <laughs> right, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how all great podcasters started, <laughs> and ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Great and small. Mm. All right, season uh, five, episode five, uh, Love Under the Big Top. Original air date was October 28th, 1989. Uh, written by Richard uh, Vassie and Tracy Gamble and directed by Terry Hughes. Uh, we've had Richard Vassie before. Yes, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. I, I just remember giving him the deference. <laughs> <laughs> remember when White Castle Fries only came in one size? Yeah, it was just a sack. Yeah. Now they have a sack in the little box also. Mm-hmm. But before they just had a little box. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, we had a little snack, but uh, Brent is a legit snack. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Look at I'm, I'm a thirst trap, as the kids say. <laughs> 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 and that's why you're so reluctant to put your uh, exactly. <laughs> bona fides out there. <laughs> exactly. Keep my bona fides to myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna re- then we'll lose all like affiliation with the Golden Girls because it'll oh. all be about him. Right. Exactly. Try to try to keep it about the podcast. People. Right now, <laughs> right now he's got the golden voice. Right. That's what they love him for the the the, the comedy. Mm. Right. The, his his mind. Yeah, exactly. But once they see the face, the whole package, yeah, yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. you know. And Brent Brent sent his whole package to enough <laughs> ladies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we open in the you living miss 100% room. hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've taken enough that even a ten percent uh, success rate is exactly. impressive. The ROI yeah. is well worth it. <laughs> On your end, (laughs) (laughs) so I didn't do a Florida man last week or Mm -hmm. two weeks ago, whenever it is in their timeline, because I couldn't come up with like a third. Like there are a couple possibilities for like the third entry, okay. But digging into the stories, they all just got too horrible (laughs) that I could not be supportive (laughs) of them. But the two that did almost make the cut, one of them involved a man, um, Florida man, October fourteenth. You're keeping track, like. He was being chased by the police, um, but instead of running like a normal perp on foot, he was doing cartwheels from them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other one that was uh, almost made the cut was um, a dude called an ambulance for a shortness of breath mm-hmm. or whatever, and the ambulance picked him up, but it was all a big ruse. Like, when he got in the back of the ambulance, he was just basically making eye contact with the paramedic and then whacking off into an ice pack. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was questionable, but I was still going to include. <laughs> right. Just because I love the fact that he was like, I got the blue ball, so I'll get an ice pack. And <laughs> that'll take care of it. I would have laughed or commented, but I was just yeah. like a gape, like yeah. oh, what? <laughs> but then, like, so like the, the like the original third one I was going to use was this well, I'd man. Say at this point, we used them. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. go for it. <laughs> like, I want to hear it. The uh, the dude, um, basically, like the Florida stand your ground law. Mm-hmm. He tried to use that as an excuse for why he beat an iguana to death. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was just hilarious. But then, like, in reading the article, it included, like, the autopsy of the iguana. Oh, wow. <laughs> they beat that little guy senseless. <laughs> it just made me so sad. Yeah. It was sad. Well, we know that the minks are definitely a soft spot for you, so it stands to reason that other Animal Kingdom exactly. uh, members would be as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, iguanas are mostly non aggressive, too, I think. Yeah, well, well, and that's what like <laughs> we're saying is like, sir, there's no reason you had to break so many iguana ribs <laughs> in order to defend yourself and stand your ground. And now, did you guys hear the recent uh, news story about iguanas falling yeah. from trees in Florida? Yeah, no. Did you hear that out? Like I read I, the headline about it. Yeah, same it. here. So, so here's the basic of it: is that uh, you know, with global warming, especially like. Mm-hmm. Global temperatures are weird now. Yeah, yeah. Basically, climates where they are normally seasonally warm have got spikes of definitely cold, mm-hmm. including Florida, Correct. where I guess here recently, it's been like a week or two now, but uh, I guess 
there was uh, news reports out saying beware of falling reptiles from the trees because when it gets below a certain temperature, uh, lizards especially go dormant, right? Like oh, okay. They so go into a state of like dormancy, mm-hmm. kind of hibernation, right? and they're more prone to fall out of the tree where they're stationed <laughs> yeah. onto the ground. And I guess yeah. there was a few instances where people yeah. got hit in the head yeah. with an iguana or a snake or something. Yeah. That's, wow. yeah. Like we go to Florida quite often as my in-laws and stuff like that. And I just know like the little... Like the places we stay, there's just, you know, like thousands of tiny lizards just running yeah. around everywhere. It's like, I can see them, you know, freezing yeah, in trees and just falling. At some yeah, point, yeah. yeah, I can see that. It's conserve energy, and they're cold-blooded anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it amplifies that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty interesting. <laughs> a little scary. <laughs> it would be, like, especially some of the iguanas are huge. Well, it's scary Imagine all the way around. On you. It's scary because <laughs> you have iguanas <laughs> falling from the sky. You also have global warming that's causing it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Walking down the street and Jub Jub falling on your noggin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Conan O'Brien actually created the name Jub yeah, Jub. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know. Well, that. he was a writer from for the, the Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. yeah. Who's was the original Coco? That was a uh, Selma or Patty. I think it was Selma's, but I, I could be wrong on that to be honest. So it was it was one of the sisters. <laughs> <laughs> the gruesome twosome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there. Anyway. We open in the living room. We see Sophia entering the living room. and With the 20-minute mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, only 18. Okay. She sits down to do some knitting. Uh, Dustin Blanche uh, enters through the front door. Very excited about a day on the boat. Sophia recounts uh, her trip to uh, America on a boat and says how horrible it was to huddle together. Uh, she kind of mimicked the, the, the speed. Uh, the, the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how horrible it was to have to eat marinara from a can. Mm-hmm. Now, she says that uh, playing pin the tail on the French was the only saving grace. Yeah, I did enjoy that line. Do you have something? No, I was going to make a Mama Celeste joke, but I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't quite get it together in time. (laughs) If you come up with one later, you let us know. Okay. (laughs) Challenge. (laughs) Mama Celeste, the original pretty young thing. (laughs) Uh, Rose uh, enters the house. And Blanche tells her that she was uh, discussing their wonderful day on the boat. But Rose disagrees about the assessment and reminds Blanche of when they saw a uh, dolphin getting tangled up in a tuna fishing net. She sits down and talks about how you know thousands of dolphins uh, die each year that way and uh, claims that they've got to take action, right? Right. Blanche says that uh, she'll just swear off eating tuna, but Rose points out that she doesn't like tuna anyway. And so Blanche compromises and says, okay. No more tuna fishermen. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Blanche, that seems like that would be a decent uh, mm-hmm. compromise. I don't know. She's kind of picky, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, she's been around, but she seems a little picky about the guy she's with. I wonder if she would uh, swear off fishermen because of the smell or something. I don't know. I feel like she's she's picky about the men who she would consider for a more serious relationship. Less but I don't so think about, she's picky uh, uh, when it comes to just, you know, a one-night stand. Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the only man she's been discriminant against is uh, Ham Mushbo. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. So, Ham? Mm-hmm. I guess that's short for Hamilton. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was... I forget what I was doing or I whatever. I just saw it was a fat joke. I did, too. Like, I just thought it was, like, some age-appropriate Southern name. Like, yeah. oh, at a certain time, Southern men were just named Ham or yeah. whatever. But, um... Yeah, I, there was somebody who not they were named Hamilton, whatever, and they went by Ham. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes, makes sense yeah. now. So you're going to start calling him Alex Ham? Exactly. <laughs> 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 now, wasn't there Ham in the Bible, too, though? Uh, not in the Old Testament. I thought that was a really good one. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I think it actually may have been the Old Testament, though. It was one of the characters. I'm going to have to look it up now. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I'll look it up later. But. So, yeah, Dorothy Anders and, uh, is asking if uh, Pearl Earrings... Like should... I just like that. Let's keep it so serious about it. Like, normally, he's the best laugher, and he's just like, I'm trying to make a point about biblical names, and here you are making your fucking jokes about, about how Jewish people can't eat pork. <laughs> <laughs> serious theological discussion here. <laughs> you went so far as to either wah wah like to indicate that your joke was such a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He's so 
not appreciate the effort. No. I did, though. I, was, I think I, uh, maybe I misrepresented my uh, thoughts there. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Your face <laughs> certainly betrayed them. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well, anyways, so we're realigned too. <laughs> hey, we're almost done with this first paragraph. Okay, uh, all right. Thirty-seven more to go. <laughs> Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Uh, but yeah. You know, Dorothy enters, and she's asking the girls if these pearl earrings look good with their outfits. Blanche says, you know, pearls look great with anything. Ellen gowns and, you know, even what Dorothy is wearing, I guess, <laughs> which she says with a sad face. You're right. Blanche figures out uh, that Dorothy is going on a date with a man named Ken that she's been seeing lately. Uh, after uh, admitting that uh, immediately, oh, after admitting and then immediately backpedaling that she uh, puts wine in her lemonade, mm -hmm. Sophia pipes in about how great Ken is. He tells her daughter not to screw things up with him. Uh, we find out that he's apparently a handsome uh, lawyer with a heart of gold. Mm -hmm. He has money, class, and volunteers as a clown uh, at hospitals to cheer up sick kids. Uh, the doorbell rings, and uh, Ken enters, played by the legendary Dick Van Dyke. Mm -hmm. And I hate the fact that the studio audience does not even recognize or acknowledge that it's yeah, freaking Dick Van Dyke. Exactly. They should have gone just as crazy for him as they did Burt Reynolds or anybody. Bob Hope, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and who knows? Maybe He may it, actually be my favorite uh, guest star so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. I mean, yeah. I know Brent may argue it's uh, Paul Dooley, but mm -hmm. <laughs> as far as the legendary credits and everything. Yeah. And, of course, he's 97 at this point, yeah. um, so he's pushing – Getting close to where Betty White made it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely—he's definitely in the top five. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would go. I guess he'd be in fourth place. Fourth for you? Yeah, yeah. So who are the other three? I, let me guess real quick. So would Burt Reynolds beat him out? No, Burt oh, Reynolds okay. would be number five. Okay, so then uh, obviously Paul Dooley, number one. Yep. Um, so I'm trying to think of who would uh oh uh Rose's dad um would he be in there? Would mm -hmm. he be in? Oh, Billy Barty? Yeah, Billy Barty. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to guess. He, he's tied with uh, Burt Reynolds for fifth. Now, are you putting Quentin Tarantino in there? No. Okay, good. No. George Clooney? No. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm done guessing. Who are the other two? <laughs> uh, so number one would be uh, Paul Dooley. Uh, number two would be Jerry Harden. Uh, number three would be James Staley. Number four would be Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, okay. And number five would be Burt Reynolds and Billy Barty tied <laughs> Very nice. He's done a lot more thinking about this than I have. Yeah. I don't know. I think he just came up with that on the fly. Because, <laughs> you know, one of those is Professor Cooper from yes. Yes, season one, that. episode 20, Adult Education. Exactly. The, the other was Dean Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason I even recognize the name is because we just did that one recently. Yeah. And he, re he reoccurred. Yeah. So, so two guest actors that almost no one would recognize outside <laughs> of the show. All roads lead to adult education. <laughs> They tend to. They tend to. <laughs> it's my North Star. <laughs> uh, so Ken walks in. Uh, Dorothy greets him and asks how he's doing. He says that his ulcer hasn't even flared up, and now he's having dinner with her, so perfect. Right. Uh, girls uh, say their hellos, and Sophia gets up to give him a special welcome. Uh, she asks. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds worse read than it did in my head. Right. Uh, <laughs> She asks why his why <laughs> she asks why he even has ulcers when he's got a great job and a girl who will quote do anything for him, and then not so subtly instructs her daughter to basically do anything he wants wants for her to do. Uh, he uh, says he'll have her back at a reasonable time. She says no, no, no need. Have her back by Tuesday. No questions asked. Yeah. Uh, they head out, and Sophia closes the door behind them. She turns to Rose and Blanche, announces loudly. She's going to blow it. Yeah. Uh, we change scenes. Uh, we're in the kitchen. We see Rose on the phone agreeing to a time and location uh, to meet a group of uh, protest rally or people to put for a group for a protest rally right. uh, to save the dolphins. Have any of you ever been part of a protest? Not not like carrying signs and stuff, no. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I mean, I'm sure that I haven't I've been, yeah. been to that extent. Yeah. So. I can't think of an instance where I would have been. Well, it's pretty I rare that I've you signed, see them. Um, at I least I've here. signed a petition for things. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, yeah. But. Like, when I've been 
written up for unfair things like at work or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've like led protests within my written rebuttal. Or oh, whatever. okay. I thought you were just you, you protested by doing a shitty job the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they tell you about that. Like, well, I get got them back. Working at Walmart in high school and written up for jeans and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Just for wearing them, you mean? Or yeah, it's a long story. Go back to episode <laughs> season one, episode twenty. I think I tell the story then. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, you'll still be happy that you did. <laughs> exactly. I don't. All roads one. lead where? <laughs> Adult education. Um, but yeah, nothing. I've never been a part of a protest that would benefit somebody other than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's on brand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess Ski and I have protest management here at this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't worked out too well, though, has it? <laughs> hey, we got no scabs. No, exactly. no one walking across the line. No, no one wants to, though. <laughs> exactly. Maybe one day for a you know, publicity stunt, we could have James cross the line or yeah, something. Yeah, publicity stunt. <laughs> exactly. Because you know, he's such know. a well-known name. <laughs> well, we all are at this right. point, I think. <laughs> I think that's half the reason why I want Pick Me to join us, just so we have somebody to get rid of if budget cuts come around. <laughs> so you're like, oh, there's the dead weight over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right now you're already like, I want to feel so bad to throw a ski under the bus. Exactly. <laughs> I defer to him as low man on the pole, but we know that ski's position. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's just talking about your love of the game pole position. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I can hear the eight bit music in my head. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's a solid one. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, they're going to save the dolphins, right? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Blanche is at the table licking envelopes, assumedly uh, in invites to uh, the, the rally, I guess. I mean, either I invites who... to it or maybe just letters um, to, to different organizations or something to talk like about that. It, maybe. Yeah, could be one or the other. Something uh, related to the protest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after she hangs up, though, uh, Rose uh, proudly discusses how important the work is and how special it is to have even the freedom to protest in our country. Uh, less inspired by this, Blanche tells Rose that uh, she is now, quote, out of spit and wants to leave after sealing 20 envelopes. Rose calls Blanche unmotivated mm -hmm. and tries to remind her about the cause and how they are helping to preserve nature. Mm -hmm. Blanche admits that uh, she still wants to help, but uh, didn't really imagine picketing on the docks uh, instead, she imagined organizing a fancy charity cocktail party. Uh, she then goes on a tangent, detailing the various characteristics of this hypothetical event, mm -hmm. with Chinese lanterns, Hispanic waiters in tight black pants, and a burly pirate band playing fish songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that, at least that part Brent would enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> he likes a nice fish song. Exactly. <laughs> and they only had to get through like one or two to get through the whole benefit. Yeah, so. not PH. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So long, and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Actually, you know, I had the uh, you know uh, closed caption on, and it used F, but I don't know that they, you know, yeah. the original writers could use PH. Yeah, it might have been just the damn, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, like a computer who was listening to it that put in the fish. Because it's very possible. So. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing now. You know, nineteen eighty nine computer technology <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wasn't the best. Uh, Rose has a look of concern, and then tells her, "Your mouth is watering now, Blanche." Keep licking. Yeah, that was, I think, maybe my favorite line of it the episode. Was, it was mine. Mm -hmm. In a huff, Blanche resumes her work, uh, but then Dorothy and Sophia enter the kitchen. Uh, we find out that they're back early because Ken is coming over to discuss something uh, important with Dorothy. Right. Of course, the girls, and especially Blanche, jump to the conclusion that he's going to propose. Uh, Blanche starts talking about the perks of having a wealthy lawyer husband. Uh, Dorothy claims that she's not even thinking about that and hasn't considered it but then strikes a very serious pose saying the name Mrs. Kenneth Whittingham. Mm -hmm. uh, Sophia likes the way it sounds. Uh, the doorbell rings, and Sophia reminds Dorothy that you know, she's part of the packaged deal, <laughs> so <laughs> if, if she gets hitched, she's going along with them. Uh, she greets Kenneth at the door, and uh, he uh, enters telling her that he's reached an important decision that will affect both of them. Uh, Dorothy is now getting noticeably excited, right. kind of reading into everything he's saying. He sits her on the couch and, uh, and tells her to close her eyes. She does so and conspicuously holds her uh, ring finger out, right. uh, which she didn't seem to notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when she uh, opens her eyes, she sees that he's put on a big red nose, and he explains that he's uh, burned out from practicing law for 
what do you say, like 40 years? Yeah, or 30 or 40 years, something like that. I mean, he's supposed to be 60. He said so. he's 60, yeah. Yeah, so be somewhere in the 20, 35 year range. Well, I think he even said he's been a lawyer since, what, 25 or something? Yeah, something like that. So, so. And he said he's burned out from practicing law and wants to join the circus full time as a clown, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Ken talks about how, you know, he originally began lawyering to, lawyering to help the less fortunate, but now has been working for large corporations. Right. Uh, he admits that it's quite a drastic change, but asks her to support his choice. Uh, Ken sits her uh, down or sits down next to her and explains that he's been thinking about this and their relationship for a while, and he thinks that you know they're going to be together for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes in for the kiss, but the uh, nose is in the way. Um, ultimately, he removes it when Dorothy says, "I feel like a virgin." Where do the noses go? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of issues I have with the decision he made, but I, I guess it must just be something that was his real, the real thing he wanted to do. It wasn't even just about the clowning part of it. Because, like, you could obviously take a whole different route in the legal field um, <laughs> and, and do things that really made a big difference for yeah. the little guy and whatnot. Um, exactly. You can do some pro bono public defender work or yeah. whatever, you know, and still have time to be down to clown. Yeah, get into like an environmental law or whatever mm-hmm. else. You know, there's plenty of avenues you could go that would be more altruistic. He, he, he exactly. could help the dolphins too. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I was getting ready to say. I mean, I think him and Rose would have been a much better fit. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, we found out later that that's even more true. Yeah. I actually did write that one down, but we'll yeah. get to it. Uh, so they kiss, and he, uh, she tells him that, you know, uh, she's on she's, she's going with him on this. Uh, he invites her to have dinner with him and some of his new circus colleagues. She asks... <laughs> I like the idea of their colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said friends. Yeah, I think he might be, might be right. I think he might have said colleagues, but either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she asks if there's going to be little dogs with, you know, hats doing tricks at the uh, dinner, <laughs> and he gleefully responds, oh, I wish. <laughs> uh, Blan- we've changed scenes. We see Blanche is following Dorothy into the living room, asking about uh, the dinner the night before and the, the dinner without the dogs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy says that it wasn't a disaster, but that uh, she had nothing in common with the other attendees. She cites that, you know, the human cannibal just doesn't read much, and uh, she doesn't mesh well with the other clown wives. <laughs> it's impressive there's a slew of other clown wives, though, that travel <laughs> around with them. She adds that uh, she was honest with Ken, you know, that... Things didn't go great. Uh, Rose enters and invites Dorothy to join her and Blanche at the rally to kind of get her mind off of it. Mm-hmm. Blanche kind of guilts her into it and then says, oh, good. Dorothy, you can take my place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sophia enters excitedly, asking Dorothy if uh, Ken gave her a ring, which if she had, I'm pretty sure she would have come home and told her. But yeah, but I did love Blanche's response. She's like, yes. yeah, three of them. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great line. Uh, Dorothy bluntly explains to her mother that Nope, nope. Ken wants to be a uh, quit law and become a clown. <laughs> Sophia blames Dorothy and assumes that she must have done something to him, uh, not believing the odd transition between one profession to the other, adding that her life is now ruined. Yeah, I, I thought about starting off the episode with that line, <clears throat> saying, and and here's Brent who you know commiserates with Sophia that he only gets a little upset when people are ruining his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, in some way relating that to the podcast yeah. and his feelings of as such. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I just couldn't find a way to, like, really smoothly put it yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did. Yeah, it worked out well enough, but I don't yeah. think it would have come off that well if I would have tried to. <laughs> it was just too much. It was too Not many the right words. Time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rose then begins to uh, dote at the idea of dating a circus clown. Mm-hmm. Blanche gives her a uh, side eye, telling her to uh, you know reach for the stars. Mm-hmm. Rose continues to talk about all of the uh, glamour and excitement and pride from mm-hmm. being with the clown, so much so that she gets herself a little hot and bothered. Yeah, yeah, I like that entire you know mm-hmm. monologue that she gives there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wrote that one down. Uh, you want to read it? Sure. Yeah. Think about it. Seeing him push those little pigs around in a baby carriage. Getting hit with a, a bunch of confetti anytime you want. Anytime. And sitting up there in the stands watching him sweep that spotlight into a little circle and thinking, that's my man. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting hot in here. Um, yeah. I, I, of course, I, you know, you note that Rose is wearing a long sleeve knitted <laughs> sweater in Miami. Yeah, it's probably hot in there all the time, yeah. but. I think it's pronounced her. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy admits to the girls that she feels that she should probably be more supportive to Ken, 
but is uh, embarrassed by his choice. Rose reminds her that you know she should love him for who he is. She then says, it's not like he's driving it around in a tiny car with a giant key on the back. <laughs> is he? Right. Yeah, she got real excited about that. Ken arrives, and Dorothy enters the door, immediately asking him if he's driving the Lincoln tonight. Gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that they're uh, going on a double date, and uh, you know, kind of give her, gives her some uh, uh, ground rules to expect for the night. Says they like to be called little people, and you know, don't pat them on the head. Right. Which apparently he had found out the hard way. He was a little disappointed in his character that he would have patted somebody on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Because in law school, they would have taught him not to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there would be things that would be considered condescending to basically anybody. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sophia confronts him, asking about his decision to become a clown. Uh, he is very happy about it and explains that he wants uh, to help the world, and right now he feels that clowning is the best way he can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking unsatisfied with his answer, though, she asked Dorothy to follow her outside to the front porch, where we can then hear her yelling, What did you do to him? <laughs> uh, we change scenes again. We see the girls uh, circling with the uh, other people in the picket line. They're at the docks. Rose is leading the rally with a bullhorn, kind of encouraging uh, the group to uh, you know, be firm but stay peaceful, like the you know that short, bald Indian fellow with the glasses and the diaper. Yeah. <laughs> Which, throwback, you talked yes. about Gandhi just yeah. a few episodes ago. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks back. So in case the uh, audience didn't guess who I was talking about there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't she even say that he won an Oscar? Yeah. Or something? Yeah. Blanche and Dorothy. Kingsley did. Gandhi did not. That is true. Blanche and Dorothy talk uh, while uh, they're picketing. Dorothy explains that Ken wants her to tour with the circus. And she's you know, afraid that she's got to break it off with him because she doesn't want to do that. Blanche tells her to think twice, though, before acting on that. She points out that at their age, there are fewer opportunities. Meanwhile, uh, Rose continues to speak to the crowd, saying that you know all the creatures must uh, learn to live in harmony, like the brown bear and the field mouse back in St. Olaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know they can't mate because the mouse would, quote, explode. Right. That was my favorite line of the episode. That was solid. <laughs> Uh, this comment then stops everyone in their tracks as they all stop and just look at her. And Dorothy comments to, that uh, Rose probably needs to work on her metaphors. Dorothy comments also that uh, she's really impressed with Blanche's change of heart. Because uh, uh, she wasn't going to attend, obviously. She was yeah. going to try to bamboozle her and take her spot. Blanche tells her that she had a conversation with herself the night before and uh, in which she actually referred to herself as Water Lily. Right. She says she does that occasionally. Yeah. That was an odd little throw-in. I mean, it was kind of funny. But... I'd like to see that revisited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope she calls herself Water Lily again later yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Just throws it in the, maybe late season seven or something. You should get a tattoo that says Water Lily. <laughs> with Blanche's face? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be your first and only tattoo. <laughs> That's right. People are like, what does that even mean? What? Huh? Uh, in that uh, little conversation with herself, she realized that she wants to make a difference on the earth. And also, she watched a very touching episode of Flipper. <laughs> right. Uh, just then, uh, the rough and tumble uh, fishermen come bounding in and uh, kind of shove Blanche out of the way of the gate so they can go to work. Uh, Rose uh, rushes up and asks, you know, why can't they see the light? You know, mm-hmm. change their ways and stop being fishermen, I guess. Right. Or, I don't know. There are ways to be better with the dolphins, though. Sure. Uh, the main fisherman, kind of the guy that talks, because I think only one of them talks, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, he asked, you know, why the protesters can't see that there's also another point of view, which is rather valid. Yeah. I had a side note. I said, I agree with the fi- the fisherman is clearly referring to the brutality of nature mm-hmm. and that it would kill us in an instant with no regret, given the chance. Yeah, much like the cow. <laughs> yeah. And that the man is simply heading into battle to win the war against nature and <laughs> earth before it has a chance to end us. Right. <laughs> Do you remember when uh, <laughs> in grade school, Ski and I had this little society we had formed called KTE, <laughs> stood for Kill the Earth. Um, <laughs> and I think we even had like a, like we had customized, I think a Michael Jackson song or something. Um, oh, yeah. Heal I, the World or something like that mm-hmm. of Kill the Earth, Make <laughs> It a Deader Place for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people living. If you gave a damn, they'd be dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, we, and neither of us really had any malice toward the earth, or we, <laughs> we weren't anarchists. <laughs> if anything, now I, I'm kind of a recycling nut. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's an an odd little piece of our history. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, uh, me and James uh, kind of uh, uh, said it could be KTU the Kil- or Klimazuski Thompson Enterprises. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great if you guys would have went into business together. <laughs> Just to always have that inside joke as part of your yeah. your company. Well, name. The, the plan, of course, being you know, you know, the outside, you know, profitable side of it, the, the business would be the front, right? And then all the you know, covert, yeah, you the know, destroy, underbelly of it, destroy the world <laughs> stuff yeah. would all be happening. We take all of our profits and funnel them into like sweatshops, just to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not necessarily that we I don't wanted. think sweatshops are killing the earth. They're just a horrible thing to do. Well, no, I mean that's the basis of it. Oh, okay, just anything all things bad. that are bad. Yeah. Okay, fair. So yeah, okay. overall, yeah, overall evil. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the fisherman uh, grabs Rose by the arm though and starts to move her out of the way. And Blanche launches in with a haymaker to his face. Yeah, that was a hell of a punch. Knocks him right down, too. Yeah. Uh, this instantly escalates into both groups kind of shoving and hitting one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't call it a brawl, per se, but... Eh. A brouhaha, at least. Brawl light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we change scenes now. We see Sophia scurrying into a courtroom to find the girls. Uh, Dorothy explains that things got a little heated down at the dock, but everyone is fine. Sophia tells her that uh, she's called Ken and he's currently parking the car. Mm-hmm. So upon hearing that, uh, the Ken will be there in a matter of moments. Dorothy stands up and announces to the entire you know group, the, the other rally goers, uh, that her successful lawyer boyfriend will be uh, there soon and is going to keep them all out of trouble, basically. Right. Seconds later, he clomps into the room wearing mm-hmm. full clown costume with those giant floppy shoes. Uh, Dorothy's enthusiasm instantly drops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he explains that Sophia called him while he was at rehearsal, and he rushed over uh, to make sure she was okay, which is understandable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they hug, and uh, when doing so, something on his person makes a honking sound. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming like a button or something on yeah. his belly. He has a belly button. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, the judge calls the court to order, and uh, Ken announces that he will be counsel for the protesters. Dorothy asks him to at least remove the uh, the fuzzy nose or the not fuzzy but like yeah the red nose, nose yeah which he does uh, he approaches the bench and assures the judge that he is in fact a lawyer and then uh, in an effort to find his ID card he pulls out a variety of clown type items from his pockets like a rubber chicken a little rubber hammer uh, you know, flowers yeah etc Dorothy looks on and simply says we're going to jail. <laughs> Uh, the judge tells him that he believes he's qualified. He says, fine, fine, whatever. Ken explains that this may be his last appearance as a lawyer and asks for uh, a bit of leeway. Uh, he proceeds to give an impassioned speech in defense of his clients, saying that they were not trespassing, but simply paying back the dolphins for many generations of the animal having helped mankind mm-hmm. in times of need, yep. such as guiding lost ships back to the ports or whatever. Uh, he asks the judge to dispense some true justice in this case, uh, the judge tells him, however, you know, despite your very nice uh, monologue there, I need some actual law-based reasoning to dismiss these charges. Right. Uh, Ken states that due to the position of the, the altercation, the court does not actually have jurisdiction. Right. Now, it was actually that little part that I, um, yeah, I wrote that down because I knew that it was the thing that would put it over the top and make it a, a true, uh, truly great episode for Tricia um, because what he said was uh, the fracas, fracas occurred on a, a seaside dock abutting navigable uh, waters and that he didn't believe it. So I figure once you uh, include abutting, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we've gotten into Trisha's wheelhouse. There so. you go. <laughs> so I was happy about that. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, wrote it down verbatim. Right. <laughs> Did you have something, Brent? No, I'm good. Thank you. Right. I was Am I going too the... fast? Or... <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I got, I, I, we've made yeah, some really he, good progress. Yeah, and he's then... actually you know, around on the bend here. but. He um I was a little disappointed, though, because I threw out the term brouhaha, and Brent was looking at his phone, so he gave no reaction. <laughs> I, was, I was double-checking Try it something. again. Try it again. No, it's I was double-checking there. something I was also thinking, because I think Trisha lives in Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. which I think abuts water. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, so in my mind, I was wondering if that's where you were going with that. Uh, that would have worked out as well. Yeah. But does it, does it abut? I have no idea. Oh, okay. You didn't quite no get idea. that far. No, I was looking at something else. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Now, do you think in Canada they have a boot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a booted. <Yeah. laughs> oh. 
be interesting to find out. Yeah. Uh, so, upon hearing this, the judge agrees, you know, that you know his, his reasoning is correct, and throws out the case. He doesn't give it a lot of thought. He just says, sounds good to me, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, Dorothy goes up to hug him, and the group cheers, you know, for his good efforts. Right. Uh, we changed scene last time. Arriving home, Blanche uh, can tell that Rose is upset. Rose tells Blanche that she doesn't really feel that they accomplished anything that day and that the fishermen are just going to go back out and fish like normal All right. tomorrow. Uh, Blanche contests that they stopped dolphins from being harmed today and that tells her that the next time she sees a, quote, school swim by, mm-hmm. which the proper uh, group uh, name for a group of dolphins is a pod. Oh, okay. So, Blanche, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she, <laughs> she, she can think that maybe their efforts saved those dolphins from the nets. Rose concedes, yeah, that's cool, uh, but says she wishes they could all be saved. Blanche suggests that they head back to the dock, as she knows a good waterfront bar where foreign fishermen hang out. Rose asks, if you know, do you really think they're going to listen to me? And Blanche assures her, oh yeah, they will. Uh, they don't speak English and they're horny. <laughs> they, head to the, uh, they head out the door as Ken and uh, Dorothy enter the house. Ken kind of playfully asks Dorothy if she wants to do anything special that night, but Dorothy uh, starts getting serious. Right. And tells him, you know, that, you know, he's a wonderful man and very lovable, and but as lovable as he is, she's not in love with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly upset by this, he sits uh, and asks, you know, if it's because of the decision to be a clown. She continues that if it was, if she was in love with him, it wouldn't matter what he wanted to do with for work, and that she's very sorry. Mm. They both agree that they uh, aren't really ready to give up their lives for the other. Ken lists uh, several circus tropes that he wouldn't be able to live without. Right, including the bearded <laughs> lady and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, I get the point, right? <laughs> uh, he states that uh, at their age, they do a lot of wishful thinking and that, that every relationship will turn out perfect, right? Right. That's the one. Dorothy says they did come really close, though. Uh, they hug and both state that they'll miss one another. She grabs a handkerchief from his breast pocket to wipe her eyes and starts to walk away, which I got to say, she's walking away clearly just for the gag. Yeah. But of course, it turns out to be the trick handkerchief that keeps pulling out of his uh, pocket more and more segments tied together. And when she turns around and sees this, they both laugh. She goes back in for one last hug, and that's the end. Yeah. First off, I got to say, before I even ask her your MVPs or anything like that, Anybody who can't fall in love with a Dick Van Dyke just isn't my kind of person. Exactly. <laughs> and to not even think, it's like, you know, maybe Rose and him would be yeah. okay, you know? I mean, Rose would overlook the sloppy seconds for a clown. <laughs> right. See, the only thing I think would be an issue is that he's probably got the intelligence that would match up to a Dorothy, but mm-hmm. the sensibilities that would match up to a Rose, yeah. that may be where the issue would come into. Yeah. I, I don't know. That, no, that would just be my thoughts. Triad, you know, they're all together. Oh, like a thruple? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching, we were talking about, um, uh, what's it, uh, the Superstore earlier, Mm -hmm. yeah, and they were looking through people's social media accounts on this Mm -hmm. episode, and they found out this one person was a, uh, was in a a thruple, Mm -hmm. Um, but he was a, you know, a a heavy, unattractive guy, Yeah. and uh, Dina, one of the characters on it, was asking one of the younger characters, she's like, Oh, so is a a, a thruple like where three ugly people are in a relationship together? <laughs> She's like, well, it just means three people, but most of the time, yes. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, Cheyenne, Cheyenne was the best. Yeah, I like Cheyenne. She's my favorite character. But um, <laughs> so uh, so ski, who got your? Um, what well, did, did? Well, obviously, with all that, I hope you got your favorite line on. Um, yeah, we talked about it earlier. It was uh, the one where uh, your mouth is watering now, Blanche. Keep right. licking. I think that was my favorite line as well. So. Yeah. And did you say that was your favorite line too? Yeah, that's my favorite line. So. And who was your MVP, uh, Ski? I picked Ken. thought he did an excellent guest performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was you know, in the living room multiple times, didn't trip over anything once. Right. And how about you, Brent? Blanche. Blanche? Yeah. But, okay. Um, was there a particular reason that she stood out for you? <laughs> um, I think I went with Blanche because uh, she reminded me of Alma. From Tennessee Williams, Summer and Smoke. Um, she was a woman um, who, you know, enjoyed 
she started off kind of prudish, mm-hmm. but she definitely by the end of the play enjoyed the uh, you know sexual activities in the adult nightlife. Mm-hmm. And whenever Alma <laughs> would uh, you know take her prescription medicine, she always said it made her feel like a Chinese or a water lily in a Chinese lagoon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what you're looking on your phone there? Yes. Right there? <laughs> Did she really do say that? Yes. Though? <laughs> So another another connection. Oh my gosh, the plot thickens so much. <laughs> See, it's funny because as you were as I was unfolding, uh-huh. I was thinking I I was really ready to follow it up with saying like oh, I just wish when you said your MVP you would have said Water Lily. Uh-huh. I had no idea it was going to tie back into that, yeah. so it was well so done. So creative. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yes, like prescription medicine makes you feel like a water lily in a Chinese lagoon. I feel so, like I feel, I feel like the next uh, podcast has to be about be about. <laughs> I can't talk at all today. <laughs> Be about Tennessee Williams. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think I'm that bright. <laughs> I didn't say I have to be a good one. We could go back to podcast. <laughs> well, uh, I gave my MVP to Ken. Okay. Um, I, I thought he did a great job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I think that Dick Van Dyke is one of our remaining uh, true <laughs> American treasures. Agreed. So. Agreed. I was a little disappointed you guys didn't laugh when I said that he didn't trip over anything once. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a solid line. I was thinking that, like, as you said it, it just kind of whizzed by me. But um, <laughs> exactly. But it was good. Should have inserted a Davenport joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Mel Brooks is still alive, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'd put him in number one, Dick Van Dyke number two, okay. as far as like elderly celebrities. Yeah, I guess I'd have to really, well, you know, a lot of elderly celebrities too do kind of fade. Um, yeah. So I wonder if there's anybody else who would be, you know, in their 90s, but just out of the public eye for, like, you know, Sidney Poitier, when he passed away recently, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, I thought he had already passed away because mm-hmm. he had yeah. been, you know, now granted his, he was out of the public eye because of medical issues. Yeah. Um, but. Anyways, I wonder if there's any others out there. Mm-hmm. How old was Ed Asner when he passed away? Oh, he was pretty old, too. Yeah, he was 89. 89? Okay. So, yeah, he would have definitely been in that category up until then. Yeah. He was an up. He mm-hmm. was. He <laughs> was. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, so Brent, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? Uh, six and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dick Van Dyke just elevates everything. Yeah. You know? yeah I can agree with that. How you about know, you? I'd say, I'd say 6.5. I said pretty decent lines and jokes. Several change scene, changes of scene because we, I mean, mm-hmm. brand new sets for this. Uh, renowned guest star, and I just enjoyed the episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, I gave it a six. Um, I, I thought it was a solid episode. Uh, I thought it could have used a little bit more uh, comedy, and it's still, it's a little hard for me to. I don't know. I, I just can't accept not falling in love with Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> can't suspend disbelief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but still, a solid episode. One of the better ones. Of the early part of season five so far, so it's no accurate conception, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's just waiting for who's married, Tyler Moore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, He's like Maud, eh? Not for me, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I was going to close this out this uh, out by saying, uh, you know, stay golden, water lily. Yeah. But now I feel like that you already took the water lily thunder, so I'll just go with the stay golden cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.